You know, my wife complained that I didn't buy her flowers. To be clear, I didn't know she was selling them. <laughs> That's a good one, right? <laughs> the, 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 more, <laughs> the more I heard that one, the more funnier it got. Oh I'm glad gosh. you're amused. <laughs> Welcome to the Distracted Driving Podcast. I am Sean Genovese. And I'm Rex Williams. Rex, I, I have a bit of a dad joke for you. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. Uh, remember that time we had a guest scheduled for the podcast and you forgot to show up? <laughs> no, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. May, maybe that's not really much of a joke. It's it's more of something that happened. <laughs> it is like another dad joke, which is you know my wife complained that I ruined her birthday, but I didn't even know it was her birthday. <laughs> that, that is that is a very appropriate joke for this circumstance. Yeah. So for some reason I didn't show up to the podcast, but you went on and did it without me. You, so apparently you, you, I'm not necessary. <laughs> That's, that's like me saying you ruined the episode. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't there. How could I, I didn't even it? know we were recording. <laughs> well, we we were recording. Um, Rex did miss the uh, miss the recording appointment, and it, it's you know people are going to be wondering like, well, well, how come you just how come you didn't call him? I did. <laughs> I, I texted. There's there's I a called. secret feature on the phone called. Do not disturb. That works really well. <laughs> I, uh, I I told some I told some jokes with the guests. I'm like, well, we'll just give him another minute. You know, what? let's just go ahead and get started. Maybe he'll show up. Wasn't I on vacation or something? Look, that, if that's how you want to tell the story, <laughs> I was somewhere else, and I forget. <laughs> I probably didn't have a good excuse. But well, uh, then you know what this. This is going to be a conversation uh, that's just as exciting for you to hear as it is for our our listeners. Yeah, uh, because you're hearing Let's it for hear the it. first time. Yeah, our our guest is uh, a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Brian Hurley. He uh, he now lives in uh, Florida, and he is a Lean Six Sigma practitioner. What caught my attention, though is he put a post on LinkedIn about a book that he released. And I, you know, I talked to him a few months ago, just uh, we had a little catch-up, little tag-up conversation, and none of this came up. And come to huh. find out, this is volume two of this book wow. that he's published. Uh, it is a, it's called Lean Six Sigma for Good, and it's a collection of stories from different authors, different lean practitioners, about how they've used Lean Six Sigma techniques to help nonprofits. Hmm. So, um, I think without Sounds further ado, we're talking about. Yeah. Let's just dive into the conversation with uh, Brian Hurley. Okay. All right, man. Well, hey, Brian Hurley, um, welcome 
to the Distracted Driving podcast. Um, there's so much. Uh, let's see. When when was the last time we spoke? It's been it's not been a year, has it? Six months? Yeah, Eight months? I think um, maybe you were transitioning through a different role, maybe. And... Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I feel like between I don't know. Let's call it July of 2022. And now, um, I see some websites that I didn't notice before. Um, we've got a, a book or it looks like two that maybe I just wasn't aware of before. So, um, perhaps where we should start, not at the beginning, which is a very good place (laughs) to start. Um, let's start with, uh, what is it that you do here? Okay. Glad to, um, so I, I do Lean and Six Sigma Consulting. I've been doing that about six years now. And part of that kind of move to consulting was to also be able to do a little bit more work on some projects and things that I really and am, am inspired for, around. And that's trying to apply these concepts outside of traditional business and looking for ways to um, take the principles and apply it into nonprofit or government or any other groups or agencies that are working on, we'll call them like real problems. Um, things that actually make a difference in people's lives. And um, yeah, I know it's, it's fun working in business and saving money and helping processes run smoothly. And some of the products and services people work on are really important too. Um, but also, like, there's real challenges in the world, and we have environmental challenges and social problems. And I don't see a lot of application of these methods that have been very successful and used for decades in industry really gravitating and moving into those areas very quickly. And so, trying to think of ways to expose and introduce these concepts to people working on those challenges who may not have the same background that you or I have or experience with solving problems in a, in a different way or using different tools and methods. So that was the emphasis around um, this Lean Six Sigma for good, trying to get um, examples and find people who have done some work where they can translate what's worked in industry to these challenges and see that it pretty much pertains, like a lot of us would expect that it would. Just different inputs, different outputs, different... Um, items going through, but um, really important outcomes. I totally resonate with that because as you, I think, know, I see the world as a series of machines and and processes. I just wrote a, a post. Did I write a post? Maybe I spoke a post. I think it was an Instagram post from uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain where I'm staring at roller coasters, just seeing the, the roller coaster factory. Um, unhappy people or thrill-seeking people going in and being transformed by the the roller coaster and coming out as uh, as thrilled seekers thrilled thrill seekers there it is so real problems um tell tell me an example if you could so what's a real problem versus a fake problem yeah um i'd say <laughs> like um yeah meaningful problem uh yeah you know, it's, uh, pollution you know and some of that's industry driven it's yeah how to minimize the impacts that the business has on the environment um, and the local community. It could be a challenge around um, retaining employees and not 
having a big layoff, which causes disruptions to the community. Um, it could be a healthcare system and providing quality care in a timely manner and an affordable cost for people. Um, it could be social issues with homelessness and housing and, um, you know, drug treatment, um, drug addiction, um, crime, racial equity. I mean, some, some of those things are really big, difficult challenges, but um, I think the methodologies lend itself to say, okay, let's start from the outcomes and look at the data and see how are we doing. And a lot of times those may or may not be measured very well. And so that's a starting point. And then understanding the process and saying, what are those things you look for in that process that are barriers that create problems or difficulties? Um, and just going through and saying, we can't fix it all at once, so how do we prioritize that? And then how do we bring all the right people together? And I think these challenges are just larger and more stakeholders involved. And so that group of people becomes very large. And how do you coordinate and get them all on the same page to say, let's focus on um, the people and, and, and helping them through that and fight against the, um, even the bureaucracy of nonprofits against each other trying to compete for grant money or government agencies trying to um, say, well, this is where our city stops and your city begins. And what about the people in the middle there? Let's have different solutions. And so, you know, that may not be system optimized. And so, um, and where is the data? How many people are homeless? We don't know. We do a once a year survey on one random night and that's our data point. That's not how you would do that in a, in an industry. You wouldn't measure once a year. Um, so stuff like that is just trying to bring some of that to the table and then also learning that it's not the same. And so what are those nuances and differences you have to think about? It's not about efficiency. Sometimes it's just about engaging your volunteers. So they come back again, whether you're efficient about the work or not, that's not the goal is to involve them. It, it, you want to do business better. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you borrow my tagline if you'd like. Give you a good, good rate on it. Uh, but you said something there that that I think really is the at the the heart of of what we're talking about. So would it be fair to say? And I'm I'm going to be uh, dramatic with this. I, I don't mean it as sinister as this sounds. But okay, real problems and fake problems. Uh, would it be fair to say when we're talking about the fake problems or the Maybe the more traditional problems is a, a, a way to think of it. Um, I think a lot of people think of lean and continuous improvement as, um, gee, it's taken us two days to paint the house. How do we get it down to a day and a half? Or, you know, we're, we're producing 500 widgets uh, a day. We need to produce 650 in order to meet demand. And what you're talking about is problems that, first of all, have more of a uh, societal impact, it sounds like. Um, but also, and you just said it, um, optimizing the system, looking at things from a systems approach, which I think we tend to see more of when you have those those people and society uh, interfaces. So did, have I captured that fairly? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, well, that's all the time we have for today. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks. Um, <laughs> tip your bartenders. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, can, I, I want to get to 
we're, we're going to get to um, the the books that captured my attention here. Um, but before we do that, well, actually, may, maybe that's a better way to do this. So it's it's Lean Six Sigma for good. Uh-huh. Is that is that right? Don't don't yep. let me butcher it. Okay. Lean Six Sigma for Good. So you have released now two volumes? Two volumes. Just finished the second one. And, um, well, why don't you tell us tell us what's in there? What What is that? Because I think that's going to lead directly to my next question. Sure. Yeah, so basically I was looking for those examples or case studies from people who have done this and were willing to share or write up a little chapter in a book. And then... Um, when I got to about eight chapters, I thought, okay, there's enough content in here. That's probably worth one book to release. And so, um, but I said, there's more out there. And I had already had a couple of other people lined up. So then I said, let's keep going. And I don't know how many volumes I'll end up doing, but as long as I can keep finding case studies and examples then keep putting them out. But it was just each different person had a different chapter. So it was a different author with a different approach and a different example. And the idea would be that those who might be interested in getting into this with our background may see some examples and say, oh, I see how this translates or what I need to do or think about differently if I want to go work with my local nonprofit or I want to join uh, the local city in a process improvement role. Um, or for the organizations that are seeing an example from another city, another state, another country, and they say, wow, that's something we could definitely use. I can learn about some of these methods and start to bring that into my work and maybe um, reach out to others who might have that experience to uh, consider that we need a, a process map, we need a Kanban system, we need to do a value stream map, we need um, to analyze our data a little differently. We need to collect our data differently. So that was the idea, is trying to get people with, uh, already existing experience around this, maybe motivate them or give them insights that this is a need and they can bring that skill set to those organizations. And then for the organizations to see that there's a, maybe a skill gap missing in their problem-solving skills and maybe seek out some more training or information or help from people who could who'd be willing to volunteer and help them because these are you know, really worthy problems to go solve. Can you uh, give an overview or the uh, the Reader's Digest version of, of one of the stories um, so we can get an idea of, of the types of engagements we're talking about here? You bet, yeah. So in the recent one, I've got, um, again, eight different groups. So um, Tracy O'Rourke, I don't know if you know Tracy. I don't think so. Okay, so um, she's got... Uh, some work she's been doing with Kitchens for Good, which is a group in San Diego. And so she's been helping and volunteering over the last couple of years to help them with uh, helping people, I think, who are incarcerated transition into uh, culinary school and working at a restaurant that's geared for that. Um, and they're looking at how do they bring people into that organization get them the training they need and then give them the recommendations and the opportunities to leave and go get a a job at a real restaurant and try to help transition them out of, um, you know, their criminal record into a a great job through that jobs program. So 
looking at the, the way that process works for them. And the input is the person who needs a skill set and a job opportunity and output of that is they have um, op many opportunities because of the work that they've done and the recommendations from the organization that's running that. And then the organization funds itself through uh, the different restaurants that they operate. But it's not meant to be a, I don't think, like a permanent thing. It's a transition for them through there. So they have a model that can help sustain the organization. And then trying to feed in people and looking at the flow of them through that whole process with the outcome of now they're better prepared and, and have the resume to go out and seek full-time employment. And so what was the, the, uh, uh, the Lean Six Sigma uh, entry point? Where, where was the, uh, the, the problem being solved there that those tools helped with? I'm trying to remember exactly um, on the tools. Let's see. Can pull up the or or just I mean so you know I I got a a beat on what the organization does so what were they struggling with that they needed help on yeah I've got them all mixed up in my head here so <laughs> I'll have like come on there's only two volumes and what thing. thirty stories <laughs> that's a uh, that's a neat uh, organization though um, I think there's a a similar thing, if I remember correctly, called the uh, Delancey Street Cafe in uh, the Bay Area. Yeah, I, I went to uh, seems very similar. Yep, once or twice, and yeah, they were taking. I, th I think it was folks that had been incarcerated that were out trying to transition back in, and everybody who worked there was part of the program. And, and is that Tracy's? Uh, is that her day job, or is this something that She's she does consultant, over and above? I believe this is all volunteer for her. She, gotcha. Actually, um, um, she may have gotten some grant work to do some of it, but it feels like a lot of it was volunteer. Is she in volume one or volume two? This is volume two, the more recent one here. So um, so there's a couple different people that were involved in this um, project. So you had a couple different consultants volunteering. Um, one of their problems was packaging meals were taking too long especially during COVID. So they were went from a restaurant to a takeout service. Um, and they had a target of four, 500 plus meals per hour and they were hitting 260. And so to keep up with demand, they actually gotcha. had to manufacture these uh, meals. So in that case, that's a pretty straightforward application because we have tangible items that we can look at. Um, so they went through some fishbone diagrams and root cause analysis and came up with a different way of organizing the meals and really challenging the steps that were involved and um, some kind of a, a work pod or a work cell that they created. And they have tack time calculations and they have um, data tracking that they were doing. And so pretty, pretty straightforward in terms of like what we would have done in um, looking at aerospace manufacturing. Yeah. Um, do you happen to have their what they uh, what the results were? They they needed to hit five hundred. What they hit? <clears throat> Over eight hundred. Okay, yeah, they overshot the mark. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. And then so, so then now they have more opportunity to fulfill that demand, and maybe they were turning work away just to get to the five sixty. Right. right. Um, 
So how did, and, and maybe you don't know, but um, you know, how did Tracy get engaged with that organization, and, and how did this problem you know, come to light as something that could be solved by her and her team? Well, that was interesting. He says... <laughs> pretending like he's heard the episode. <laughs> I just listened to it. It was really cool, and uh, that was good. I mean, what did you think about the alligators? Oh man, that was that was my favorite part. Man, the teeth so sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This uh, yeah. this is another of our uh, now famous maybe cliffhangers. So uh, we we ended there with a, a question that will be answered in part two of our interview oh. with Brian. And you know it's worth mentioning I think that the Distracted Driving podcast is sponsored in part by Sean Genevieve's Enterprises. Very small part because there's not much <laughs> sponsorship. <laughs> Uh, Sean Genevieve's Enterprises, if you don't know, uh, provides also, like Brian, uh, provides lean manufacturing expertise. Uh, specifically, what what I do, Rex, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you know, maybe you don't. What do you do? What do you do? I help people develop standard work. Oh. Standard work. Because standard work helps eliminate instability and instability is like kryptonite to a business so we bring in the standard work it's like the antidote to the kryptonite and it helps people do business better oh okay uh, everybody you, wants a better business at, at right and mm -hmm. uh, and if you don't know what standard work is there's going to be some uh, some learning materials coming up I don't know where I'm going to put them. YouTube, Instagram, mm -hmm. you know, wherever learning materials are posted. And on SeanGenevieseEnterprises.com. Yeah? Uh, yes, or if that's oh, too many letters. If, if, no, I don't, I don't own that one. Um, oh. I do have Sean Genevieve's Enterprises. But if that's too many letters, you can also go to NoMoreKryptonite.com. Oh, that's right. No More Kryptonite. No more <clears throat> dot com so that's a uh, hey that's a great place to go check things out you can sign up for my weekly newsletter i send out uh, wit and wisdom as i like to call yes. it some witty. some take on lean six sigma principles uh, but through the lens of everyday life because uh that's that's how excited i am about it yeah uh, okay, so listen, we're okay. going to uh, sign off, and we'll see you all next time for part two of our interview yeah. with Brian Hurley. Yeah.